Welcome to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast. We are your hosts, Kitty and Alora. And we are officially witch boots deep into spooky season, which means lots of divination while the veil is thin. Today, we'll chat about how to study and gain connection with everything from cardamancy to spirit boards to astrology. It's going to be an hour of revelations, so grab your black mirror and settle in. So Kitty, mm-hmm. what is your favorite way to study divination? I would say that I just, whatever it is that I'm learning, I use it a lot as much as I possibly can. Mm, good answer. Good answer. If we were on family feud, it would be at the top of the board. <laughs> <laughs> you know how they used to do that? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I love that show actually, but we're not going to go there, but anyway, um, (laughs) onto the show. Yeah. So Alora. Yes. When we're talking about learning a new divination method, or maybe even just connecting with a new tool, like a deck of cards or what have you. Right. What is a great way to start to develop that connection? Good question. Good question. So when I was coming up in the world of cardamancy, which that is, um, like tarot and Oracle and Lenormand and all the card divination systems. So when I was coming up in the cardamancy world, um, I slept with my deck under my pillow or under the bed. Uh, some people may think that this is a pointless exercise, but I think that it really, uh, worked for me because I'm a strong dreamer. And Mm -hmm. I swear to you that some of the symbolism I soaked up subconsciously in, in, in the dream world, um, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Oh yeah. But, but also doing it this way allows, um, the deck or whatever tool you're using to soak into your energetic field and vice versa. So, uh, this method, uh, to connect with a divination tool is still used by a lot of practitioners. I know because you are literally placing your brain waves on your divination tool. Yeah. So like, I I don't think that you can, yeah, I don't think that you can mesh energies in a better way than that. Um, I, agree. I think, and I would add, and this is a little bit different, but kind of the same concept. If mm. you keep a deck of cards in your purse or like a bag mm. that you keep on your person all day long, right. It's kind of a different way of doing it. Now it won't, maybe it maybe won't get your brain waves unless you're wearing a bag on your head, but <laughs> well, no, it won't get your brain waves, but yeah. You know, different types of magic, like mojo bags and things like that. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to carry them on you. Right. Hidden on you at all times. So that would probably work better for like 
pendulums Mm -hmm. you could carry like literally on you. Oh yeah. Another really good way to start getting that connection and building that connection is to interview your divination tools. I know this sounds weird, but this can work for cards, pendulums, spirit boards, charm casting, etc. cetera. Uh, lots of people can be drawn to a certain divination practice and then become frustrated when they don't feel like they're connecting to it. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the questions that I like to ask people is, okay, well, have you asked your tools what you're supposed to use them for? So some tools are great to be used all around and some are only meant to be used by you in a particular season or for a particular area of life, such as like love readings or business readings. Um, So I advise anyone getting a new divination tool to sit down and interview it, ask when it would like to be used, what it would like to be used for, what you will learn from it what it doesn't want to be used for. And you will find that after this process, you will have a much easier time connecting by following the guidelines of the specific tool. Um, Mm -hmm. because it's told you what its guidelines are. Um, I have to admit that I got this idea from interviewing tarot decks, um, because each you can do this with each tarot deck, each Oracle deck, each card deck, but it has since proven a really great method of connection for other divination tools as well. I want to cut in and say something about this. So I find it interesting that this is actually, it's a popular means of connecting with, with cards though. I see it a lot online interviewing your deck. Mm -hmm. I think it's funny though, because a lot of these people, um, I don't want to say a lot. I've seen quite a few people say though, you know, that the, the cards have their own personality. Each deck has its own, you know, consciousness or personality basically. So in its essence, that's animism, right? You're, you're seeing that deck as its own Mm. being. Right. But yet some of these same people will tell you that tools and herbs and things of that nature don't have their own personality. Just something to think about. (laughs) <laughs> that is interesting. And I think it's kind of counterproductive. Yeah. <laughs> like if we're being really honest here, like, I don't think well, I, it's like yeah. saying it's all about intention and not about the tools. Well, then you have to throw out your tarot cards personality with that theory as well. Yeah, that's true. But in saying that, like, how do I explain this? Uh, how do I put this? Um, On the one hand, we can look at it as animistic. And then on the other hand, we can look at it in the form of, because we're talking about divination tools, we can look at it as guides, deities, whatever um, is around us, Mm -hmm. infusing that tool with their essence. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I have decks that I use specifically to speak with, um, deity, but yeah, it's just interesting when you think about the different beliefs and ways that people use or connect to their cards or other tools. Right. 
Well, since you brought this up, (laughs) how do you see it? Are you on the side of animism or are you on the side of it's just tools? No, I'm definitely more on the side of animism. Yeah, I'm with you on with that. the cards. I feel like <laughs> a lot of the card decks have their very own personalities. That being said, though, there, like I said, there are certain decks that I didn't feel much from as being their own being or consciousness. And I actually, but I associated those decks with specific deities. And so therefore I kind of use it as that instead. Right. Sense. Yeah. So I think it can be multiple things when it comes to divination specifically, but I am more animistic. I think that your tools and, and different objects can just depending on what it is, um, can have its own consciousness or, or hold some kind of spirit energy. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. I, I don't have a different opinion. spirits too. Right. Exactly. Yes, Exactly. Yeah. And instead of just being like, oh, it's an herb. No, it's, it's not just an herb, you know? Right. That plant had a spirit. It had, you know, um, energy pulsing through it at some point. And anyway, okay. So let's talk about studying more, um, different divination methods. So we, the first thing we wanted to talk about is a personal encyclopedia. We encourage everyone to create their own book of symbols and experiential definitions for your divinatory tools. For card decks, runes, and charms, get a notebook and study them one by one. You'll also want to write down experiences that followed when you drew a specific card or a rune so that you can personally relate your life to that symbol down the road. We don't recommend using the deck book or any book unless you've been working with the card or other tool for a bit and you wanna confirm your impressions or you want a different perspective. Books should be used as a reference rather than as a guideline with this form of learning. I think that's really important. And since we had our dream episode a couple seasons back, I don't remember what season it was in, but when you talk about the dream encyclopedia. I've been dreaming. I'm writing down my dreams for years. I never actually did that until the past few months. And I just think that's a really, it's a really useful tool for witches. And especially if you're learning a specific kind of divination. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, absolutely. I mean, I think it's really important. Um, I can relate this most to cards. I'm sure that you can relate this to runes as well. Mm -hmm. But I find that with my tarot students, uh, one of the things that I have them do is I will not only have them write down their intuitive impressions of the cards that Mm -hmm. they, that they're working with, but also to take note of the events that take place in that time period that they're working with a specific card. So when they start reading for other people or when they start, um, when they really start to get to know the tarot, when they're using it for, you know, down the road for other purposes and whatever, they have specific personal experiences to relate to a specific card. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So they can go, ah, oh, Ace of Wands. That's when I applied for that job and got it. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, the same thing with the dreams and the dream uh, encyclopedia. Because often your right. dreams will mirror real life or, you know, there's other mm-hmm. signs that are sent to you throughout the day that relate back to the dream that you had. So I think all that is very, and again, dreams can be used as a form of divination as well, really. So yes, they can. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or yeah. like you dream of your hair falling out and you're actually like in your waking hours are having difficulty with your self-worth. And you can like relate those things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's important to write all this stuff down, guys. (laughs) Your hand's going to hurt after all the writing you do. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about the framing method. So this one was actually taught to me um, by my bestie. This is where you frame this. Okay. So stick with me here. So this, if you're using this for cardomancy, this is where you frame a card or cards that you want to get to know better on an intuitive level. So if you're having trouble understanding a particular card, this is a great method to use. You place the framed card where you're going to see it when you first wake up in the morning. And that's very important because when you first wake up in the morning, your brain is still in subconscious thought, like your brain waves are not yet to fully awake. So your eyeballs will see these symbols and meanings that your conscious brain won't detect. Right. So it'll soak into your subconscious Mm. mind. Um, you can keep a journal on your bedside table to write down what comes to your mind regarding the cards. If you'd like, um, another way to do this is to keep small sticky notes on your bedside table and just write down like singular words um, that you are subconsciously associating with the card when you see it and you stick these small stick it notes, um, on the back of the framed card and come back to it later to use those as prompts to journal with now this framing method can also work with astrology and palmistry and any divination system that's complex it can work with, because what you can do for instance, is like, let's say, um, you're studying astrology, you could make yourself essentially a flashcard. Um, so like, let's say you make one up for, uh, Jupiter, right? So you write, you can write down like Jupiter on one side, maybe draw a picture of the planet. And then on the other side, you'd write down like expansion and luck and all of the characteristics of Jupiter. So you'd frame that And you can frame it on one side or the other. It doesn't matter. But like, so let's say that you frame it on the characteristics side. When you wake up in the morning, you'll see the words that you've written. And then your subconscious mind can soak that in and be like, Jupiter. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? What if someone decided to frame Uranus? Oh, my. What are you, 12? (laughs) God. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> okay. There's lots of things wrong with me. Uh all right. 
No, it, it's a great method. I've never actually heard of that at all before, but I think it makes a lot of sense and I want to try that now. Welcome to the Otherworldly Oracle podcast where we frame <laughs> Uranus. <laughs> so every morning you wake up, the first thing you see is Uranus. You know, that's got to be a t-shirt. <laughs> Framing Uranus. Yes, exactly. Anyway, any hoodles. Okay. <laughs> so tell us about the next method of study for divination. Okay. We talked about the framing method. We are now going to talk about breaking it down. Getting funky. Getting funky. <laughs> Break it down. Divination systems <laughs> can't. <laughs> we all know they can be very complex. In tarot, the symbolism can include numerology, the Kabbalah, herbal associations, crystal associations, sacred geometry, astrology, colors, animals, etc. If you feel overwhelmed by trying to learn everything at once, break your journaling into bite-sized pieces. This is good with any divination system that has any amount of complexity to it, such as astrology, numerology, runes, foreshore, palmistry, etc. If we were applying this to astrology, you'd want to break it down by houses and planets. Okay, I was waiting for a Uranus joke, but you didn't go there. And uh, aspects, etc. Because I'm not 12. Okay. So. <laughs> Essentially, you reverse engineer the practice. Eating a cake is delicious, but knowing how to make that cake will give you dessert for years. Oh, Laura wrote that. Isn't that just... That's delightful. I like that little saying. Well, it's true though, right? So like, yeah, it's reverse engineering the practice because if you know the ingredients that go into it, well, then you can make the whole thing happen. True. Yes. So what about, oh gosh, this is a big one. It's important. <laughs> Can you explain to our listeners about using or finding and using reputable resources and why that's so important? Okay. So in today's wonderful modern world of technology, there are as many resources available as there are readers and students. Mm -hmm. So you want to do your homework and make sure that whatever it is that you're reading comes from a reputable and accurate source. Now I'm going to probably say an unpopular witch opinion here in a minute, but <laughs> there are names in the witchcraft world that everyone knows. And it's because these guys have produced decades of research history and information on their specific niche divination system, interest, what have you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have literally dedicated their lives to the discipline and it shows. So like I can be very specific in tarot because that's what I know the most about. Right. So if you're looking for reputable resources in tarot, you'd want to look for names like Mary Greer, Rachel Pollock, Barbara Moore, Marcus Katz, Binabel Wynn. They're all fantastic authors and people whose material I would recommend any day of the week. Mm -hmm. Um, I could recommend more, but I'm going to stop there, but 
Okay. So this is where, this is where some people are going to be like, um, but what about, so are you saying that everybody that writes about tarot is wrong if they haven't been in the discipline for years? No, that's not what I'm saying. So don't come for me. Um, but, but there, you know what, let's be honest. I'll say it. Cause I'm not scared to say it y'all. No, I'm not scared to say there, it, but I'm getting well, I know there. you're not scared to say it. I, that's <laughs> your, listen, don't be, don't, don't be taking this the wrong way. What I meant is I'll be the bad guy here and say <laughs> that some people probably shouldn't be writing about some of these divination methods because the, truthfully, there's some pretty terrible resources out there. <laughs> True. But you I know, think it, I'm not going to name anybody because I can't really think of anyone off my, the top of my head, but I've read books. I've read eBooks on runes that I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what, you know? what even is this? What? It, it, there was no effort or anything, but it, you could tell that the person, I don't even feel like dedicated much time at all to learning the system intimately. Right. And, and I, difference. I think that's what you're saying, right? Well, I'm not saying that, you know, newcomers or unknown authors are invalid. That's not what I'm saying. Right. Um, but I am recommending starting with those who have a longer history as a voice of authority on the topic right. so that you can compare and contrast perspectives and decide your personal stance on the subject. And then how much authority you think, um, the, the newcomer, uh, precipitates, I guess on the subject. And here's another thing too. If you're looking at a book, that's like newer from, from somebody who isn't prolific in a specific div divinatory art, one of the things that can tell you or help give credence to their work is to see who has written, like if they have a foreword and who has written it. So what? Huh? If they have a what? A forward. What does that mean? Why am I blanking on that? <laughs> okay. So for instance. Oh, a forward, like the, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so for like moving forward, do you know what I mean? For like that word. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so for instance, if I pick up a tarot book and I open it and the forward is written by Rachel Pollock or Benabel Wynn. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read that book. I'm with because, you now. I just, my brain was. Yeah. Because if they, if they believe in that work enough to put their name on it, right. I'll, I'll be reading it. Do you, does that make For sense? Sure. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think that, and this is okay. This is probably going to be an unpopular opinion, but <laughs> I think that if you're a newcomer, to any form of divination or to the craft, et cetera, et cetera. At least for me, I want, I want to go to someone who has, uh, you know, some years of experience who really is, I don't want to say an expert, but you know what I'm saying? They're knowledgeable on the topic more so than I want to go to someone who's learning alongside of me. Does that make sense? Sure. You can learn from them. But if I want to know the system intimately, like we've been saying, I'm going to seek out a wise teacher. Does that make sense? More so than like a noob. 
Right, right. No, I don't. That's just my guess, personal preference, but. Well, I don't mean a newcomer to the particular divination system. I just mean somebody who's new, who has a newly, like a newly published author. They've never published a book on the subject before. And this is their one or two works that they've oh, put in, that okay. they've put into the resource material. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Right. So that's what, that's more what I'm talking about. Like my brain is not <laughs> comprehending it's in Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, but I think that, anyways. I think the argument though, is that, you know, it's always, um, basically just because you've been doing something for X number of years doesn't necessarily mean that you're an expert just because you have longevity. And I'm not saying that it automatically makes you an expert, but I am saying that there are people who have dedicated their lives to a specific divinatory practice who are published multiple times over who are renowned for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. So just make sure that you're, and, and when it comes to online resources, that's really tough because there are so many websites that you could go to. And I just recommend staying away from websites <laughs> when you're trying to really learn, um, a divinatory mm-hmm. system. I would take a book, you know, eight days a week over a, a website. Correct. Unless it is otherworldlyoracle.com. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Like, like how many people rip off websites oh, and then, dude, and then add it all the time? Yeah. Right. And then add BS in there. So you, you, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous. Yeah. But I'm you know you. what I mean? I do. I do. I do. I'm telling you, my brain just doesn't, it's not you know, flowing (laughs) like it should be. All right. Let's talk about the next way to study a form of divination in the form of joining an organization. Yeah. Yeah. Organization. You can learn alongside other people, right? There are heaps of organizations dedicated to helping people learn these disciplines and even make them their full-time vocation. Not only do they teach the art of divination, but many teach the business side as well. If you think you want to become a professional reader, these organizations, a lot of times offer classes, memberships, magazines, industry insights, and much more. Please pronounce this word for me. (laughs) I knew you were going to do that. It is pronounced terosophy. Terosophy is an internationally recognized organization run by Marcus Katz and Tally Goodwin. Yep. Tally Goodwin. Yes. Okay. Tarot Association of America, Tarot Guild of Australia, the Astrological Association of Great Britain. Say any of these five times fast. Federation (laughs) of Australian Astrologers, Association of Professional Astrologers. Just Google. There's a ton of them. And you know, I said before, you know, you want to search out someone that's knowledgeable, but I do believe that you can learn alongside other people. And this would be, this is a good way to do it as well. Yes. And it's not just for learning. I mean, 
uh, I belong to Terrosophy and uh, I specifically love it because the membership fee is monthly. It's not expensive, but there's a ton of classes from beginner to master classes um, that teach you everything from, oh gosh, like the history of the tarot through, uh, you know, using reversals and um, spread craft and things like that. So it's not just for beginners. Um, if you've been, you know, if you are a professional reader, um, I highly recommend getting on board with an association that can provide you with, um, continuing education in your divination niche niche Mm -hmm. niche. Why did I say niche? Oh, that's wrong niche. Um, yeah, so they can be very good and you can, it's also a great way to network with other people you know, other readers in your industry just to have some companionship and, and, you know, have colleagues. Got it. All right. Let's talk about reading for others versus reading for the self. So in any divination system, you'll naturally start reading for yourself first. Um, but then when you feel confident enough, you should stretch your intuitive muscles and read for other people. If you don't want to pursue divination as a profession, that's completely fine, but I encourage everyone to read friends or family who are just keen to gain, um, insight, uh, just so that you can practice in reading someone other than yourself. Mm -hmm. Plus, a lot of readers say that when they become too emotionally involved in a particular situation, they're unable to accurately read for themselves. This is true for me. Oh yeah, me um, yeah, and a lot of people I know. So it's good to practice on other people for that reason as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'd say definitely don't just read for yourself. Agreed. And don't be afraid to read for other people. Exactly. All right. So now we're going to talk about things to keep in mind when you're undertaking any form of divination, right? Oh yeah. So learning divination is obviously complex and it's usually a lifelong project. Anyone who has studied any form of divination will tell you that they, A, don't know everything, and B, are always learning something new. I feel the same way about the craft. Right. I think it's wise to remain humble and open to learning from others who may be able to give a different perspective from your own. Very good point. Yeah. And I think that goes for, you know, you have to... Yeah. You just have to be open. Yeah. I will also go ahead and say that be comfortable with the fact that you will not connect to every form of divination. I was and so this goes, going to ask you about this. <laughs> this goes back to the tarot episode where I said, tarot is a calling and those that don't have the calling are wasting precious time and energy, um, on something that's not going to be fruitful when they could be spending it on their actual divinatory affinity. Right. So, you know, if you aren't connecting to tarot, it may be because 
your calling is to be a, a palm reader. Um, if you find, oh, go ahead. Oh, I said right on. I would like to meet more palm readers. And like we said before, tea leaf readers and charm casters, etc. Right. Exactly. Uh, if you find that you have tried and tried and tried and tried and tried, and you just aren't connected, uh, it may be time to move on to something different. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, it comes to a point where it's like, if you have to force it, that's not, that that's not what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like you shouldn't have to force it. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have to study it and you shouldn't have to learn about it. But if you're trying to force things because you're just not connecting that there's a disconnect there for a reason. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And this, okay. So Kitty, tell us about the next one. And I feel like you kind of touched on this at the very beginning of the episode. Oh, okay. You will learn a lot from books and others, but ultimately the way you use and utilize divination as a tool is up to you. So true. Don't let others dictate your divination practice, but at the same time, be open to learning how different people approach a system of divination differently than you. Yeah. I think you just have to make your own way, your own style, your own, it's just, the way that I approach reading the runes, the way that I approach reading Oracle, the way that I, you know, interpret my dreams is probably, I share some similarities with people, but it's probably also different from what, you know, the next rune reader, how, how they read the runes or how they connect with the runes or study the runes, all those things. And yeah, I think the important thing is that you're just doing it frequently and that you dedicate the time and effort to it. Right. And the next one flows into this one and also flows into what you were saying at the beginning as well. Every, it doesn't matter what form of divination it is. It takes lots and lots of practice. If you're reading the books and talking to others, but you're not practicing yourself, Mm -hmm. you're not really engaging. Right. So you don't learn to draw magic. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you don't learn to drive a car by reading the manual, right? You learn to drive the car by driving the car. Like you have to do it. Oh my God. Do people actually read the manual? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, but I'm just saying, let me bust out the Subaru manual, please. Before I drive this car. Just kidding. Well, (laughs) good point. It's a really good point. Well, I think maybe more so, maybe more so women than men, uh, tend to read the directions. Right. But this is actually something that you can read tons of different directions. Yeah. But if you're not actually doing the thing, it's not going to help. 
Yeah. And I think most people are kinesthetic learners, whether people will say, I'm a visual learner, I'm an audio, whatever. Yeah. You probably are something else, but everyone is kinesthetic. You're going to learn it. Um, if you quicker and more, it's going to solidify quicker in your brain. If you physically do it right. Right. Exactly. That's my point. So just do it. Just do it. (laughs) I mean, listen, if I had like a dime for every divination method that I picked up and then threw away, I probably would have at least a piggy bank full of dimes. (laughs) (laughs) I've tried quite a few things, you know, and they just didn't stick. So I just let it go. That's okay too. Mm, Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know why. I feel like there's a stigma about that. Mm -hmm. Like, like if you pick something up and you can't do it, it means something about you as a practitioner. And I'm like, where, who is, who is saying that? Where's that even coming from? Because it's completely untrue. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, I, I tried the tarot thing and it's just not for me. So, and I'm okay with that. I don't feel bad about that. I don't feel like less of a reader because I'm not reading tarot. Right. So, Correct. And yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> yeah. And I just think, yeah. And I just think like to wrap up that note. Yeah. I just think that more people should spread their wings and try things out. And if you don't connect oh well, like give it a shot. Exactly. There's like, there are so many forms of divination that people. Oh yeah. I mean, there's some, some pretty obscure ones that you don't really want to touch because they're a little, um, Oh, what do you mean? You don't, you don't, you don't want to read entrails. (laughs) That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. (laughs) How, how lovely smelling that would be. Want to read the blood in the bowl. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to wrap this up. Okay. All right. Check out divination at otherworldlyoracle.com. Just type divination into the search bar and bam, there it is. We welcome you to join our high vibing Facebook group and visit my website at alorarain.com. Shout out to all our oracles for joining us, whether you're new or returning, subscribe or favorite our podcast to be notified of future episodes. And if you're keen and want to explore a darker shade of magic, head over to www.alorarain.com slash subscriptions to get your free seven-day trial of our sister podcast, Nimir's Well. Also, be sure to share our podcast and review us too. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.